0: Hey everybody, it's Richard Harris and Scott Lease with another edition of the Surf and Sales Podcast. Uh, super excited to be joined today uh, with Jeff Risley of the, and I'm gonna totally butcher it, so Jeff, just tell me what it is because I, I don't want to screw it all up this early. Yeah, the Sales Health Alliance. Cool, so I've known Jeff for a couple of months, worked on some things, some surveys with him. I know Scott has done some stuff. Um, but just from a background perspective, let people understand what the Sales Health Alliance is about and and even to a certain extent where it even came from.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So um ultimately the Sales Health Alliance, the goal is to really empower sales teams and sales leaders to reach peak levels of performance through or peak levels of sales performance and well-being through through better mental health. Um and I think probably the 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 best way I always like to talk about the Sales Health Alliance and kind of hit where it came from, it's, it's born out of my own experience with mental health and my own story. Um, I started in sales just over 10 years ago and it was like the classic sales environment where um, boiler room type of sales environment where I was being measured on if I could make $200 a day, achieve two and a half hours of talk time. If you weren't hitting your targets, you were let go pretty quickly. And that's when I was first introduced to what mental health was. And more importantly, what mental health and sales was as a fresh grad, had no idea what anxiety was. But what I did know was I was suffering from terrible panic attacks in the middle of the night. Um, I didn't feel like there was anyone that I could talk to within, within the workplace. I had really bad insomnia and anxiety. And it was after the third panic attack and that put me in the hospital, where I was like, I need to start figuring out what to do here. So I went to my doctor. He prescribed me some anxiety medication and sent me in my way. Um, really felt like it disconnected me from my emotions when it comes to how I can be successful within sales. Um, picking up on those micro expressions and those buyer, you know, the buyer buying signals that people are, would be giving me on, on, on a call. I lost that. I lost my emotions. And so I stopped taking the medication and I thought, um, what can I do to start making myself more resilient, what is mental health and learning everything that I possibly could. And it just be, kind of became like a, a side project of mine just to take care of myself. And fast forward to July of 2018. Um, I was diagnosed with just after I had launched my first sales consulting website, three days later, I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. So it was a huge curveball. Yeah, huge, huge curveball. But it was a uh, it was, a, it was a huge wake-up call because what I started to realize was the same strategies that I was executing on to keep myself mentally healthy and resilient in sales, I started to navigate during this other stressful period of my life and continue to do so as I, you know, live this entrepreneur so, life and go through this pandemic.
0: Yeah, so let's, I, I want to come back to this, but let's go back yeah. to that part where, you know, you know, I worked with Scott and I worked in a room where, you know, Hundred dials a day, two and a half hours of talk time. Scott and I know what that's like, and we know the pressure of that. We've lived it. We were forced to teach it um, mm-hmm. in many ways. So, just from that rep perspective, like for a certain while, were you doing well at that? Were you being successful in your sales career? And you know, in terms of you know, not I don't mean just hitting the metrics, but were you even hitting your numbers? Like, and then all of a sudden it it fell out. Like, what was that like for you? back in that
1: time? Yeah, great, great question. So see, I managed to, like, on on paper, I managed mm-hmm. to thrive. I was the mm-hmm. I was the top rep within North America for, for the organization. I was in, got flown to the head office in London, and I was just, I was crushing it. And, mm-hmm. but, and behind the scenes, um, in the middle of the night, I was just like, you know, in this terrible downward spiral. I was drinking heavily. I was like, Parting a crazy amount, um, mm-hmm. anything that I could do to get myself find any kind of relief i was I was doing in like the worst way possible. Um, so on on paper, so, I looked great, but behind the scenes yeah. i
0: was i was I was not okay. <laughs> yeah, did you I, I you know you and I know each other offline, so you know I, I'm happy to report my therapy stuff, right? I, I said this actually yesterday to my therapist. I said, for all the times I was ignoring stuff and masking, you know, through whatever self medication you go through, I think I always knew what was really bothering me. I just didn't want to confront it. Do you, mm-hmm. if you look back on that, or you're like, yeah, I was crushing. I was, but you were just willfully ignoring that piece of you where you had these questions. Do you, like if you look back on it now and look at yourself kind of in a Petri dish or were you unaware, going through those motions for a long time that, that you were really ignoring those things.
1: Yeah. So I, I think there's like the first, definitely the early stages I was totally unaware. And because mm-hmm. I think these um, there's like the, the common belief in sales that like, you know, you're, you're supposed to go through these ups and downs and there's the, this idea and this culture is talked about as it's, as it's normal and, and, and drinking and the drinking culture surrounding sales it's, It's normal to have these emotions. Um, And for sure, then as I kind of started to realize that, you know, these coping mechanisms were not, were not helping me live a healthy life. Then I started to realize that there was some like buried emotional stuff that I needed to confront and face, which I was having a tough time doing.
0: Yeah. What is, for you, I've had panic attacks. Mine were never in the middle of the night though. And and so I want to ask a little bit about it in case other people are, Going. Oh, mm-hmm. wait a minute. <laughs> you know, that's what I'm doing, right? What was yeah. that like? Like, what were you waking up freaking out about? What life was about? Were you waking up freaking out about sales, or were you just waking up freaking out for no? In, in, the, in the beginning, you didn't really even know why.
1: It was. You just. It's. It's. It's like you lose perspective. Um, right. Like it starts with like a small thought of maybe thinking about an angry customer or maybe not hitting your metrics on on, on a specific day. And then you, when, when it happens during the day and you leave work, you're like, it's it's nothing to you. But then I always found at night when I was by myself and, and alone with my thoughts, like that thought of missing target started to, or missing my metrics started to grow. And it became, well, what if you miss tomorrow? And what if you don't sleep and you start missing your metrics every day this week and then what if your manager notices this and you know doesn't understand and starts to say you know you're on a performance improvement program to what are your friends and family going to think if you lose your job to losing this apartment you just moved into and it just blew up and blew up and this it's like that worry loop that puts you into a downward spiral and for me it was just like It felt like you had, I've never had a heart attack, thankfully, but it felt like I would imagine what a heart attack would feel like where it gets to a point where your chest is just so tight that you, you can't breathe. And it's, it's a really haunting and terrible experience to to go through, especially in the middle of the, middle of the night.
2: So how do you think that, um, sales managers, sales leadership, what have you, how do you think they should cultivate an environment where um, it's safe to kind of talk about the challenges that people are going through with mental health and the stress and anxiety of of the job um, <clears throat> while also balancing like the actual real need for you know productivity and, and production. I've, I've tried really hard in my um, in my career to just have like open honest conversations about all these kind of things, but I also still have to push and drive to hit particular goals. And so that that's a challenge, I think, for a lot of people in leadership. So, what are some of the things that you know? I know you write about this and you talk about it a lot, but like, what are some of the guidelines that um, you you provide to to sales leaders and how they can, you know, get rid of the stigma, balance productivity with the health of their their team
1: yeah again another great question i think the the main thing that i've noticed that sales leaders and sales cultures do is um we need to change the perspective on on two things um we need to change the perspective on failure um we we become a very outcome-based sales culture where the only thing that matters is if you hit your kpis and if you hit, hit your target like it's all outcome based and that's what's rewarded and praised. And as a result, it's putting a lot of salespeople into a fixed mindset where if they don't hit these, these outcomes, they take it personally. It becomes part of their identity. Um, they're either good at sales or bad at sales based off of whether they succeed or fail. And that's failing is a very difficult emotion for individual salespeople and sales leaders to, to deal with. And we need to sh- start shifting the conversation more to exploring sales as a journey and looking at things, prioritizing things like the effort and growth, praising those types of, those types of things that growth, learning and effort that lead to the outcomes rather than just caring if they hit their dials or hit their target and looking at, you know, failure is one of the best opportunities to learn within sales because because it's true but if if sales teams and sales reps are in this state of fear where they'd feel like they can't fail the part of their brain that's responsible for learning creativity logical decision making it's shut off they're in flight or flight mode and they just can't respond to the situation and so, so what do you what do you what
2: is your response to people who would say well um you know not everybody's built for sales like that's just sales if you can't you can't take the pressure, you know. Get out of the, get out of the kitchen, so to speak.
1: I think I think that's uh, totally totally incorrect, and I think with obviously there's going to be.
2: Well, explain certain- explain why you think it's it's yeah. incorrect, and I'm not disagreeing with you. I just know that that's that's the devil on on one shoulder, right? In the, in this in this conversation, is is there are people out there. If the three of us posted this, or what, hell, when this goes live, like, we will all get messages that's like, oh, I don't know, man, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, like, that's just, this is just sales, You're, those people are not tough enough to, to do the job, so I'm curious, you know, to hear what your response is to, to that, the, the people with that voice out there in the, in the, in the industry.
1: Yeah, like I, I, made a, I made a post about this the other day, and uh, of an example of I, I always relate it back to relate it back to sports. And if you ask if you have two if you have two players, basketball players, and you both ask them to get eighteen out of twenty free throws, um, and for one player you say, "Here's your eighteen out of twenty free throws," and you're standing there being like, after each shot, "Well, you better make it. You better make it, or you're done." or leaving the leaving the player totally on their own to figure it out compared to a player that is being coached, given feedback, explained you know where they can get better in terms of their form, everything that they 're doing after every single shot, the second player neither one might hit eighteen out of 20 free throws, but the second player will definitely hit their hit their free throws more consistently and um, hit them hit them much quicker so It's going back to, like I said, praising and effort. Obviously, people are coming in with different skill sets, different raw abilities that might make them slightly better in sales if they're more personable, if they're more extroverted versus someone that's more introverted. But with enough practice and with enough effort um, and praising the learning that they're taking place every single day and putting them in a position rather than where they, where they, they can activate the part of their brain, their prefrontal cortex, where they can learn from failure, those are the those are the teams and those are the people that are going to develop and succeed, um, but if you're consistently operating on this, if, if you're operating under the belief that you either have it or you don't, then it's just going to breed a very negative, fearful-driven
0: sales culture. That's going to lead to. I'm going to jump in and toxic outcomes. Yeah. So it's funny because I, I, you know, my my initial response was to Scott was wait a minute. We're also going to get a ton of praise from people saying, thank you for talking about this. Right. And so the, the, the loud mouth jerk manager who says they can't handle it. You know, my response is quite simply, you're just dead to me. I don't have time to convince you how wrong you are. Um, but I also have to be willing to admit that I was that way too. Like I was, that's how we were conditioned and, you know, Scott I just had a conversation with, um, Dr. Richard Pondy from University of Houston downtown, and he was talking about the Peter Principle that I, I just dived, I dove into this report that he sent us, and it talks about the problem, particularly in sales, is that we promote people to skills they don't have, right? The people who are being promoted with top sales performance don't have the skills to manage, right, and I've been saying this for a year or two that we're often promoted because we can close deals there's nowhere in my sales training that ever existed. Here's how you manage somebody. Here's how you coach somebody. Here's how you do something, right? So the wrong people have been promoted. And to sort of tie it all together, this is the part I love about millennials. They just ain't putting up with that shit. They just are not going to sit there and take this abuse that the old school sales managers have. And uh, the, the interesting thing is I think that old school sales manager stuff's gonna get tighter. They're gonna grip on harder because they don't know how to change. They don't, they're afraid to change. They're afraid to change the whole mentality. So uh, I agree with you 100%, but. You so it's, know,
2: it's, I, it's, one thing, it's one thing to talk about <clears throat> changing um, kind of what they're, they're measured on, right? Jeff, you talked about, you know, if it's all based on KPI attainment and goal attainment and whatnot and richard saying you know millennials don't want to work at those kind of places anymore so how can a company better align what you're talking about in creating the right kind of environment with with goals and and outcomes what should salespeople be measured on that is growth focused and effort focused and what have you less kind of result driven have you seen you know a comp plan accomplish this that makes sense I'm, I'm curious what you've seen um, work and be really product- productive and constructive
1: yeah so it's it's early days right like it's like this conversation around mental health and sales is 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 new um, I'm not by any means gonna say that I have all of the answers right out of the gate and say what what's working and not working. But what, what I can say is is we need to move away from treating salespeople like a number and repositioning the conversation conversation around treating them like corporate athletes because at the end of the day that's that's really what they are. And when you have all of these, you know, you you're measuring a healthy sales pipeline of how many how many calls they're making, how many emails they're sending, how many demos they're booking, how much revenue they're closing. And then you have things like length of sales cycle. You have these leading and lag- lagging indicators that, that sales teams are using to measure a healthy pipeline. But in reality, those are all output metrics. Um, the input metrics are going to be how healthy is the rep? When they show up, are they anxious? Did they sleep well? Are they feeling confident? are they eating right? Are they exercising? And two, when they encounter a negative experience on the sales floor, do they have the EQ and the resilience training to navigate those stressful situations in a mentally healthy way? And that's where, that's where I'm, I'm prioritizing my training and my coaching around, you know, what's happening in the brain when someone misses target or they're being micromanagement, how can you navigate that? So you respond in a healthy way rather than a negative way. Like my, one of the things I always talk about, because the first survey that, that I did with you, Richard, um, I came back that 50% of salespeople listed micromanagement as the number one thing that impacts their mental health the most. And micromanagement to me and how I, how I talk about it is it's not a bad thing. And it's just a, it's like a, a, a conversation that needs to change. And the way, way I talk about micromanagement is ideally you want to have the manager and you want to have the rep operating in the present. Well, what usually happens with micromanagement is the rep encounters a negative experience like that a buyer ghosting them they start to get anxious so they move to the past as a result the the sales manager is like let's throw more training let's throw more coaching at them that's how we're going to get them to sell better but that's not the fact that's not what what's actually happening they're dealing with you know rejection they're dealing with those kind of powerful emotions that that run deep so they're stuck in the past and the manager gets anxious and he jumps to the, to the future and he's worrying about his target. He's worrying about what's happening. And as a result, you have one person operating in the future, one person operating in the past, and they're trying to communicate with each other. And it's, it just doesn't happen because they're, they're in totally different mindsets, totally different perspectives. So what I try to talk to sales leaders about is that's why it's so important to foster and build that culture of trust and have those conversations around mental health So when that rep drops to the past, he knows how to go back and talk to them, work through, let those emotions that they might be struggling with coach them through that experience to get both people back to the present. So they can continue to sell and focus on hitting their target.
0: That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard about micromanaging. Uh, Seriously, like that is, I can't tell you how many times as you were saying that I'm like, yep, that happened here, 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 both to me as a rep. And then even as I was a manager. Like I did the same thing, right? And um, so that was fascinating. And I think that's, it's interesting. I, again, it, it supports a belief I've had is that what, what I call micromanagement in a lot of ways, and again, I go back to the millennials, is that they actually call that a little bit of coaching, right? What If someone sort of dove into me to talk about things and tell me how to do things, I would feel micromanaged. But no. the millennials are coming and saying, help me understand. Tell me what I could do better in this situation, in that present moment. You know? mm-hmm. um, and, and I think to some extent they are saying, I'm frustrated. Help me with my frustration. But the sales culture focuses on sort of these output metrics that you're talking about. But I also think they're saying, coach me, help me, help me understand why, as opposed to just go do more of this. It's it's, like, it's, that
1: was really good uh, thanks yeah and and it happens all the time and it's just like there's just no for whatever reason these like fear failure even a new rep making it trying to make a their first cold call on the sales floor and that feeling so anxious about embarrassing themselves in front of all these new people that they're trying to impress it's it's a lot but there's no space on the sales floor to talk about that and I think one, like there's been a huge change in the last 20, 30 years, like the nuclear family no longer really exists where, you know, people would go to work and then they would come home and they would at least have some supportive, you know, family members where they could like handle and have these more honest and vulnerable conversations. But that hasn't, that's been eroded. Like people are getting married later. People are digitally connecting. so They're not seeing their friends as much. There's, you know, divorce rates are through the roof. And as a result, like, people are dealing with these really difficult emotions in their personal life and in the workplace. And once even when pan- this pandemic is over, like the workplace is going to become the main stopping, stomping ground and the w- main place where people need to handle and have the right support to have these conversations with the people that they work with because they can't really find them anywhere in their personal lives anymore or it's happening less and less. So workplaces absolutely need to be prepared to, start building this trust, building a community, community where you can be vulnerable and having these open and honest conversations with
2: each other and have it be okay. So Let's say, let's say you're a, a CEO or a founder. What are some of the steps that, that you might be able to take to arm your um, department heads and VPs you know, with, with the right kind of tone and messaging and skills that that can trickle on, on down? I mean, you're, you're a founder right now. How, how are you, how are you kind of practicing what you preach, so to speak?
1: So, so I'm a, I'm a founder of one right now. So there's uh there's no team for me to share with my, my, I guess my people are the, the LinkedIn, LinkedIn folks, but um, it, it goes back to however much you share will usually be reciprocated and if you're a CEO or a founder that's you know looking to have these these conversations it starts with you because especially if you're trying to change your culture um going starting every one-on-one or having a meeting being like okay guys we're talking about mental health like who's got their stuff to share everyone's walls are going to be up and guarded fully Um, but if you start that meeting sharing an extremely vulnerable conversation. Like that's what I always, when when I've been doing workshops for companies in the past, the workshops that always go the best is when the sales leader that has brought me in to host them um, starts by sharing in as much detail and is with as much motion and vulnerability as possible, sharing their experience within sales and how it's impacted them. I've heard stories about addiction to relationship issues and how all of that stemmed from pressure that started within sales affecting their personal life. So it really comes down to the leaders becoming comfortable sharing their experiencing experiences. Um, that's step one. And then usually that will reciprocate um, at some level, maybe not right away, but if you're doing it consistently, that's why I always release eBooks to help, you know, 40 thoughts, tips, and ideas for sales teams to start talking about mental health, offering kind of talking points that teams can rely on every day to at least get comfortable, learn that skill of what it means to talk about your emotions um, in the workplace. And over time, if you do it consistently, you'll have more and more conversations. People
0: learn to be open with each other. Yeah. What, do you ever, just out of curiosity, when you do, I'm making a couple of assumptions here, but when you do talk to CEOs or leaders who are like, hey Jeff, come in, we need your help, right? usually by the time they have that conversation with you, 16 things have occurred, right? Not just one. What are the things that people should be paying attention to that would make them go, Oh, you know what? Maybe we do need someone like Jeff in here to help us. Like, what are some of those things? I know you've talked a little bit about seeing relationship issues or, or those kinds of things, but is there anything else that you could say, Hey, these are the standards I'm seeing sort of universally across the board at the organizational level
1: so i don't I don't think there's one there's one thing um, like it goes back to that whole idea of of corporate athletes um, that I think, regardless of whether or not you're seeing problems in your organization or you're seeing you know signs of burnout or whatever like you should start before that like it's it's that idea that you know, similar to an athlete that needs to take care of their physical body to learn how to play into overtime, to learn how to, you know, get stronger and use stress to their advantage. Salespeople have no idea how to use stress to their advantage. They're constantly stressed, but stress is is used to help people grow and develop. So once you start looking at improving the input of your organization, that the well being and the health of your reps and giving them the training to respond to stressful situations on the sales floor, you're going to see a boost in performance again it's going back to scott's earlier point like i don't have sales specific raw data on this just yet but all of like the high level world health organization data that's being provided saying things like every one dollar invested into scaled up treatment for mental health issues like you know anxiety and burnout leads to four dollar return on increased productivity and well-being it's so like the data is there and sales, salespeople are measured on so many different metrics every single day that what's really cool about this department and, and why I think it's important to start with sales versus any other department in an organization is if you can do any kind of improvement from a mental health and well being standpoint, you should be able to catch it in a boost in some of those KPIs that salespeople are being measured on
0: already i know you I know you've done a little bit of research on this. I'd love to t- shift for just a minute to give some you know people some practical things about burnout right mm-hmm. what What can you share with people about burnout that you've learned so far through some of the research your own experiences to either help them recognize hey I'm heading down this path or I'm down this path or these are some things I could actually start to do to prevent going down this path what's your What's your mindset around oh,
2: Some some people are in a vicious cycle. Yes, of, of, of you know working their butt off, burnout, and then kind of decompress, and then work their butt off, burnout, decompress. It's hard to br- it's hard to break that. So I, I I would love to hear more on that on that part as well.
1: Yeah, like there's a. Uh... There's probably probably a full book that could be could be written on 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 that topic um, in particular um, I think something that was really powerful for myself was changing your relationship with with anxiety, and that's something that I did really early on now, to be honest and you might think I'm crazy like I love my anxiety like my anxiety is is just such a honest and transparent um communication tool that I use um, because usually anxiety flares up when you are on the edge of your comfort zone and you're on the edge and it starts to try to pull you back to your comfort zone to say you know it fills you with self-doubt maybe you shouldn't do this you're going to get hurt you're going to embarrass yourself you're on that edge of your comfort zone and for me I've been able to change my perspective on that to say thank you (laughs) like thank you for telling me that like it's
2: interesting interesting that you you view it as like a a dialogue and a and a communication um you know for me my anxiety or or worry about things just like fuels me so I, i i would be terrified to lose some of it because i would wonder what would happen to my my motivation like richard knows this about me and um you know, if anybody knows me, they, they know, know this about me, but like I will be without cause worried about, you know, how am I going to survive like next month? Like I'm going to, I'm going to get no deals next month. It's not going to happen. Right. And they'll be like, you know, what are you talking about? Like it's for (laughs) sure going to show up. Right. Like you just, you know, I could, I could make like a million dollars this month and I'd be thinking to myself, fuck, I, I got like nothing coming next month. Like, what am I, what I have to like grind. I I have to have
0: this conversation all the time, Scott.
2: (laughs) We do. So this. So like I use it as, as fuel. And so I think that I, I cling to it. Right. And I don't know that that's super healthy of me. And I, I, I struggle, I struggle with, with that.
1: I, I, I honestly use it as like a, like a spotty sense that's telling me that, again, provided the culture of fear isn't, isn't there. Like I like to use it as a spidey sense to be like, Holy shit, I'm about to do something that's outside my comfort zone. I'm about to go for a sales target that I've never hit before. Like this is a really challenging experience. Um, what can I learn and grow from this and little anxiety, like inner, inner child. I, I hear you and I, I, and I know you don't want, want me to get hurt. So you're trying to like keep me in this comfort zone. Um, I hear you, but this is how we are going to develop and grow and build a more meaningful life. Like some of the most meaningful experiences, like from, you know, from di- getting diagnosed with testic- testicular cancer. And that was like a huge wake up call for me to be like, I was 30 years old, totally healthy. Uh, I always wanted to start my own business and do um, like had all these dreams. And I kept saying, I'll do it in two years. I'll do it in three years. I'll do it in five years. Like time's not ready yet. And it's just like, no, like things can change in an instant, yeah. without you, without you even knowing it. And learning to work with my anxiety to 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 say there's a very meaningful experience. Whether it's standing up and talking in front of people about mental health, like I'm so grateful for the, for, for getting diagnosed with cancer, cancer because it's 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 really helped me build this relationship and helped me look for things that makes me make me anxious so that I can continuously seek this discomfort to grow and have a meaningful life every single day. Like even talking to you guys, I, you guys have huge audiences, you talk, you know, awesome sales strategy all the time. Like two years ago, I'd been terrified to get on a call with you and I probably would have avoided this situation entirely, but it's because I've learned to build that inner dialogue with my anxiety to be like, this is a really meaningful thing that can help yeah. a lot of people.
2: Well, six months ago, six months ago, we would have been terrified to even have a podcast. <laughs>
0: Right. So so I want to come, I do want to come back. So Scott, so this is me therapizing you. That's the word in our household, which is, I think Scott, you're doing exactly what Jeff said. You're having that inner dialogue with yourself. You're just doing it in a different way than he's doing it. He's doing it sort of in this calm conversation. You're having that conversation internally as well, as well as externally. And it is pushing you into this discomfort zone. And then, you I know you, you know, when the, when the, when the winds come into Scott, he doesn't let the winds push him around. He just leans in harder. Right. So you, yeah. you aren't letting that anxiety push you back to a comfort zone. You're letting that, you're, you're forcing yourself to go meet that anxiety. So it's interesting. I, I think you're doing the same thing. I just think you're seeing it in a different way. So, um, but it's interesting just to sort of hear the two different perspectives on it. Cause it, it feels like that's what a lot I, of people. I also
2: share, share the perspective with Jeff in terms of, uh, you know, serious health struggle Yep. Yeah. and and all that. I mean, I well-documented spent the better part of four years in the hospital struggling with uh, autoimmune diseases and ulcerative colitis and um, colectomy surgery, j surgery, on and on and on, um, and spiraling that into physical opioid addiction. Um, and, yeah, you know, I I have said many times before, like, that – that kind of gave me a superpower,
0: you know, mm-hmm.
2: and in in the ability to create urgency within myself, in the ability to not take things for granted, because like you said, Jeff, like everything can turn in an instant, um, you know, and you can kind of doesn't matter what you have, it all might be gone tomorrow, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but just really also just like taking advantage of the opportunities that we that we have, and trying to be mindful and present, and make the most of of the moments and the time and not squander and waste things. Um, but it's, I, I don't know, you know, your health situation, but like I get literally punched in the gut, um, you know, every couple months. And every couple months, I have to go back to almost square one. And, you know, you get, you get knocked down, you get up again, right? Get knocked down, get up 10 times. But like, you know, it's fucking exhausting when you've been dealing with like your own um, sense of mortality for Mm -hmm. 20 years. And you know, at least in in the current medical situation for me, like there's no end to it Mm -hmm. as of right now. Right? Yeah. So the, the resiliency required to, you know, bounce back after health challenge, after health challenge, after health challenge, knowing that there's nothing you can really do to, to prevent it. Um, that's just like this whole extra level of fight that, that people get to. So how can you cultivate that in somebody who has not been through and is not going through this type of of situation that's a question i get all the time people are like man I, I get like why you are who you are you've been through all that stuff but like i've never been through anything so what yeah. do i do and i'm like well you know don't don't almost die because i don't know yeah. that right yeah how, do you, how can you cultivate that level of resiliency and and you know and fight in people who haven't gone through something as serious as testicular cancer or you know hospitalization and stuff
1: yeah so I th- so it's a tough tough question to answer but i think it's spending time as a team and with salespeople to really help help them define their personal their personal why um when i hear someone saying they've, they've hit rock bottom um when i hear that kind of statement i hear rock bottom as a piece of a solid foundation of all of like the shit that they've gone through that gives them the leverage to step up and start pushing against the resistance, resistance. that's pushing them down. Um, I think a personal why acts as the same thing, but it doesn't, it doesn't happen when you've lost very meaningful parts of your life. Um, And for a personal why from, for for example, and, and where I'm going with this is, Like there's different levels. Like if you're working in sales because you want to become rich and famous or, you know, grab buy a Lamborghini or whatever. Um, when things go, when things go wrong and you start, don't have those kind of external goals feeding you, like your personal why is going to crumble. Like it's not a strong foundation. If you're working in sales because, because of your family, you just have a newborn child that you just had and you want to create a healthy, healthy life for them. Um, that's more meaningful. That's a stronger foundation. That's a stronger piece of mental resilience that you can push up against all the res- resistance you're facing every single day. Um, but for me myself, like my personal why, um, that I use every day is like, I've lived it. Like I know salespeople and sales leaders, I've worked as both that are just like trapped struggling with their mental health every single day. And I'm a solo entrepreneur at home and there's days when I don't want to get out of bed and and start, you know, continuing this mission. But what I'm pushing up against is connecting with all of that, that pain that, that everyone is feeling, feeling with That I personally felt that I need to show up. Like that's my personal why that I step on every single day. And I think it's something that salespeople can, can, can really leverage when they're truly and believe in the product and they're truly at the core connected with the pains that their individual prospects and buyers are feeling every single day. You have millions yeah. of people that will bring you back to the table if you are connected and have that empathetic per- perspective on truly helping them.
0: Yeah. I'll add to this too, is that, you know, I think Scott, this is where you and I are different, right? If people come to you and say that, I think you naturally gravitate to your physical cause that's the story you've shared right? What you've gone through. And then that physical affected your mental, but yeah. like you gravitate to telling that story. For me, it's the opposite. It's more mental. And then what does that do to me physically, whether it's my diet or lack of exercise and those things. So for me, when people ask me those things, I'm like, well, I know you've struggled about something. And I don't mean like, you know, to some extent it could be, I struggled because I, I you know, wasn't raised with a lot or whatever, but it's not that you didn't have a lot of money. It's what did that not having a lot of money do to your mindset? And so, and I know you're good at this. You bring this out of Scott. Scott, I've seen you bring this out of people like me and a ton of other people like, well, let's talk about something you had you challenged. You know, you, you know, you used to, you know, pay people to quit smoking. Right. I remember this because it was a waste of time, but I also know that you would talk to them to say, well, you know, let's talk about you quitting. Like what would be the benefit of like, you do get into that mental peace with them. So I, I see that. Um, I, you know, I gotta, we've got to sort of shift this towards the end. because um, We've got some other stuff we're focusing on, but you know, one of the things we love to do Jeff at the end is, is turn around and just say, how can we help you? Um, obviously we're getting the word out. We certainly want you to get the name of the website, lot of people know what reports you have, because there's something else we can do to help you um, specifically. Uh, whether it's individually or for your organization.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I appreciate that. And, um, having this conversation has been extremely beneficial. So if, if, um, if people are looking for more, more kind of helpful resources around mental health and sales, you can go to saleshealthalliance.com. I've got all sorts of free resources there as well, like eBooks and and a gratitude journal. Um, pre COVID-19, I was leading, um, half day and full day workshop sessions for organizations to help create awareness and help tackle some of those trigger events that salespeople will deal with on a day-to-day basis. But obviously in-person is is currently put on hold, but, uh, going forward in, in about two or three weeks, I'll have my first online course finished where I've repositioned all of my content into a scalable online course that salespeople and sales leaders can, can take. Um, to again, start those conversations and go more in depth to some of the topics that we talked about today, um, about, you know, failure and sales. How do you change that perspective and that relationship that you have with anxiety and how do you kind of start to understand how anxiety or depression manifests in your own body so that you can become more aware of the warning signs, not only individually, but also as, as a team. So, um, That's a big one that I'm, I'm pumped for. It's
2: the the online course.
0: I can't, can't wait to to share it. I I was going to say getting
2: that out there. Yeah. I was going
0: to say if people have sat and listened to this and got, wow, this was really good. This is fantastic. And then you're going, well, I don't know if this would go well online. You're completely missing the boat because you just sat through this thing, listening to Jeff (laughs) share these amazing stories. And if you're, if you're so riveted by this conversation, like I know Scott and I are and just listening to Jeff, absolutely this stuff will work online. Absolutely this stuff can be done virtually. Um, Just speaking from my own experience, I've done... Oh, you muted yourself there, Richard. Sorry. I've been saying that I've been doing therapy for years and I've done FaceTime therapy for years and now all of a sudden it's the norm. So, um, you know, for those who are really thinking about this and, and wondering if it'll work, I guarantee you it will still come across well. Online as as much as it would in person. So
2: my mental health um, is better just. From Jeff, thank you, Jeff. Talk. <laughs> Jeff just got this, That's like, what I
0: think. Like his tone of voice, his radio pace.
2: voice. It's like you. You should. Yes. You should like do voiceovers for uh, the Headspace app or something like that. Wow. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I,
1: I got this. I totally. got this mic a few weeks ago just for this online course. So I thought it's working. Yeah. out
2: yeah. the mic. Not the
1: mic. Okay. Not the mic. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's it's, it's, it's you.
1: Yeah, definitely. Uh-huh.
2: Thanks so. for spending some time with
1: us. Uh, you- no, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. This was to awesome, work. Jeff. Yeah. Appreciate this so much. Sure. Yeah.